Welcome to the City Life Podcast. I'm Tim Woody, the pastor of City Life Church in downtown Fort Worth. There is purpose for your life. There's a destiny you have yet to walk into, and there is hope regardless of what you're facing today. I encourage you to open your heart now to what God will be speaking to you over these next few minutes. Amen. Amen. All right. Thank you so much. Good to see you guys. God bless you. I, I, I'm happy to be here today. In fact, I'll tell you what I'm really happy about is I'm happy that my friend Victor is back with us in church, Victor Ronquillo. Uh, many of you remember last summer, Victor was out in El Paso visiting family and you had a heart attack. What was it? Six clogged arteries? I mean, that's like, wow. And we, just a lot of prayer, a lot of prayer going up from here. And, and man, it was, it was tough for a few weeks. And, and we just kept praying and praying and praying and praying. And now Victor's back in church and I'm so happy to see you, my friend. It's so good to see you back. Welcome, welcome back home. Well, I, I'm excited to share God's Word with you today. Uh, first of all, I want you to go ahead and get your Bible open to the book of Proverbs chapter 1, verse 8. Proverbs 1, 8. And while you're finding that, I just want to give you a little bit of update on myself, my family. Boy, uh, the last three weeks have been a whirlwind, to say the least. Last two weeks. I, I, was telling, uh, I was telling staff this morning, I said, I, I still feel like it's the first week of January, and I'm looking at the calendar, it's January like, 17th, and, and uh, a lot of time has gone by, but I just want to bring you up to date on where things are and what's been happening with me and my, fam- my family. Uh, it was two weeks ago today, I got a not- uh, notification from my family in West Texas that my parents were very ill, that they were unable to, they, they were falling at night, and they needed help, and, and, and I thought, well, I can, I, can, I can move some things around, and I can go out there and spend three days with them, spend three nights with them, and, and help them out at the house, and so I worked that out and, and headed out there to spend some time with my family. Before I got out there, my dad was taken to the hospital with pneumonia, and, uh, and it was a tough, tough situation because there I was, I was taking care of my mom, helping her out, but, but my dad was, was not there. So I'd get him on the phone, talk to my dad two or three times a day, and, and had a, just, just kept praying. You guys were praying with me. I was telling you guys every day, keep praying for my dad, pray for my mom, especially my dad. And, and you guys were just right there with us, and I'm grateful for that. Uh, I, what I didn't expect, I was expecting to be back last Sunday and to preach, but I didn't expect it that, that I felt like I needed to stay there a little bit longer because my dad was, was feeling worse. He wasn't getting stronger. He was getting weaker. Uh, it was Friday night. I remember clearly Friday night. I was, I was on the phone with my dad Friday a week ago, and I would ask dad questions, and he wouldn't respond back. And, and I, I just... I said, okay, um, <laughs> we're, we're uh, uh, Thursday or Friday of last week. Again, so, so many dates. That would have two weeks ago, but, but it was one night that, that Chad, I, I just wasn't, just didn't hear Dad giving me the feedback that I wanted to hear. So I started talking to my mom, and she said, uh, doesn't look good. And the hospital said, well, he, things are not looking good. His, his heart is under extra stress. His kidneys are failing, and um, we don't know. And my mom said, my dad had one desire. He does not want to die in a hospital. He wants, if he dies, if he passes away, he wants to be at home with his family. So 
we're going to bust him out. <laughs> that was the word. We're going to bust him out. I was telling Rebecca that. She goes, oh, don't get in trouble busting them out. I was like, well, we're going we're gonna to find a way. We're going to find a creative way. We're not going to break laws, but we're going to find a creative way to get him out of the hospital. And, uh, and there, because of his condition, they weren't necessarily wanting to let him go. So we, we found a, a way to do that. And it was, a, it was quite, a, quite a miracle, but we were able to finally get him back home. Got him back home on Saturday evening a week ago. And he had been there for just 20 minutes at home before he breathed his last breath. But he was surrounded by his family. Uh, my mom was holding my dad's hand uh, as he slipped into the presence of, of the Lord that he served with all of his heart. And uh, dad left us. <clears throat> and I got to be there. I got to be right by my dad's side when he went to heaven. And it was so peaceful. So peaceful. That night I was, I knew there was no way I was going to be able to make it back to church and, uh, and, and be able to do the service. So I decided I was going to have to record a service that night and try to get it up on the server somewhere so you, you could watch a service. So I, I sat in my brother's guest room and I recorded last Sunday's sermon. And if you notice the weird background, that's why it looked that way. Uh, I just, but I did that. Saturday night after my dad passed away and stayed with my family through Monday and worked with beginning to put together funeral arrangements. I I discovered at that time that it was my dad's desire that I officiate his sermon, his service, his funeral service. And so, you know, pulling that together, came back here for a couple days to be with staff, be with the team, take care of some things at home and just head right back out there just to continue to be with my family and I'm, I'm glad I was. I'm glad I was able to be there. We, we had a beautiful, beautiful service. Some of you guys were able to tune in. That The technologies, I'm just saying to you guys, the technologies that this church has, has been able to help us, help us engage with to be able to run a video stream through a, through a cell phone on a remote location and put it onto all the platforms that we were able to do it on which is a miracle. I, I mean, this church was, was just such a, such a blessing that we were able to utilize that to not only broadcast my dad's funeral service to you guys, but, but uh, I would say more importantly to his family up in Oregon and Washington. And they were so, so blessed. They were so, I've just heard so many people, we were so blessed that we got to see that. And, and so thank you, church, because you actually helped make that happen just through the technologies that we have here. And we, uh, we were able to, uh, to, to get through that. We got through the, the service and the graveside yesterday and, and spent a little bit of time with the family afterwards. And so we came back, out, back late last night, and here I am. I'm ready to preach today. But <clears throat> there with my dad at that last moment, it was... We just knew, it's, it's like we just knew that dad's time had come, that dad was going to be with Jesus on that Saturday. We knew that, that, we just knew one thing, we needed to get him home. We needed to get him home. The, the ambulance or the, 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 the hospice workers in the hospital also, and they were saying, we don't know if he could make the ambulance drive back to the house. We don't know if he would stay alive. And and so we just prayed, prayed, God, keep him, keep him alive, keep him alive, because he's supposed to die at home. He's supposed to be with his family. And when he was there in the room, it was, it was just so peaceful, guys. It was just so peaceful. 
yeah, my mom, she's, she really had a tough time when she, she was all dressed up so pretty. In fact, I sent a little picture to my, my, my family of me and my mom. I said, oh, here we are, we're getting ready for dad's arrival, and, and she was all fixed up. She said, I want to look so beautiful for your dad. And she dressed all, so, she was looking good, she really was. My 80, what, 84-year-old mother, 83, 84, somewhere, at that point, it's just like, it doesn't matter, I guess, but uh, she's looking so beautiful, and she was right there, my beautiful mom, holding my dad's hand as he slipped into eternity. Afterwards, she, she said, Tim, she says, your dad didn't get to see me because he didn't open his eyes while he was there. He didn't get to see me. <laughs> I was all dressed up for him, but, I, but I've also heard so many stories of people who move into eternity and then, then actually come back, but they, they, they are just unanimously say they, they can see everything going on. Some people, their, their spirit will linger there for a, for a few seconds, others for a couple minutes, but they see everything that's going on. I said, Dad saw you. Dad saw you, but he's in eternity now, and I know that my dad is, is with his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and I'm grateful for the faith that my dad has instilled in me. I'm grateful for his love for me. I'm grateful for his prayers for me because my dad served the Lord with all of his heart. If there's anyone who's a saint in this world, you might think it's your mom or your dad or somebody else. No, but it's my dad. <laughs> yeah, my dad, definitely a saint, just really, really served God with all of his heart. And and, uh, and I just want to thank you guys. I, I'm still kind of in a little bit of the whirlwind here. And, and <clears throat> again, I was kind of shocked when I got into the office this morning and go like, it is literally the 17th. Where is two weeks gone? But, uh, but I'm, I'm back home now, and I just want to thank you guys for your prayers. Thank you for, for giving to help us with so many different things. Elders and staff, thank you so much for the flowers. That, uh, my mom loved them. <laughs> And, and it just made such a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful funeral service. So thank you so much. God bless you. God bless you all. But today's message is entitled, Life's Five Most Important Lessons. Now, these are not my idea of, who, of life's five most important lessons. These are actually my dad's. Uh, there was a question that I posed to my dad some 21 years ago. In fact, I asked my dad a lot of things, and I had him write out a lot of stuff. And 21 years ago, I, I asked my dad this question. I, I posed him this question. I said, what are some of life's most important lessons that you can pass along to me? And <clears throat> my dad wrote out, longhand, he wrote out his answer for me, and he listed five, <laughs> five most important life lessons. And so I'm going to tell you my dad's five most important life lessons. And I say this not only uh, to, to reiterate these things for myself, but to share them with you because dad was a pastor. And, uh, and also to my family and to those who are, who are participating through the e-community, family and friends. And I, I want you to hear Wayne Woody's five most important life lessons because I want these to be mine as well. And when I, when I was looking at them just last week as I was going through some of the things that he had written out, I, I saw this and I said, I, I have to preach on this. I have to preach on this. So this is my message today. Dad kind of wrote my sermon, all right? So dad is still preaching. But I ask you to look at Proverbs chapter 1, verse 8. And Proverbs 1, 8 is important because one of the Bibles dad gave me, he, he had Proverbs 1, 8, and 9 
underlined in the Bible. And so if dad's going to underline something in a Bible and give it to you, you need to pay attention to that, right? Well, here it is. It says, Proverbs 1, 8, it says, listen, my son, to your father's instruction and do not forsake your mother's teaching. They are a garland to grace your head and a chain to adorn your neck. In other words, when when we pay attention to what mom and dad, father and mother have said, and we listen, we absorb it, we take it in, it, first of all, it, it makes us look like royalty. That's, that's actually what it's saying there. This is a way to just look like royalty. You're going to look good. You're going to be worthy of respect. I opened my dad's desk last week, and and I found this, this drawer that, that was a huge stockpile of hundreds and hundreds of sermons from my dad. And, and I, I pulled them out, and I just kept finding more and more and more and more. And, and, and I pulled those sermons out, I would look at different ones, and another and another and another. And, and at that moment, I, all of a sudden, I recognized that's kind of a common theme that my dad had all through his preaching ministry. And and. And it was this theme of how to live a life of honor, how to live in a way where you are at peace with God and at peace with man, how to live in a way that pleases and honors God, how to live in a way that prepares you for eternity, how to live in a way that's actually going to make your life a witness. I, and, and I looked at this, I thought, this is, this is such a treasure. This is a treasure. You see, what my dad did in his ministry is, as he preached, he really... Uh, majored on what I would call preventative wisdom from the scriptures. Preventative wisdom. It's it's basically this. If you do this, you're going to have these results, and it's going to protect you from this, all right? If you follow this path, you're going to reap certain benefits. You're going to reap some, some some, if you do some certain actions or some attitudes, you're going to reap these other rewards in your life, and it's going to benefit you. So dad was really, dad really taught a lot about that. Now, now in today's culture, in today's world, there, there's actually really a lot that's the opposite. A lot of today's ministry, in fact, I would say most of today's ministry is reactive wisdom. Now, that's not a negative, but I just want to just make this clear. A lot of it is reactive uh, because we're in a generation where so many people were not raised with the, the, these concepts from the Word of God to live by. Therefore, lives are in trouble, lives are a mess, and, and, and people need to correct a lot of things to get their lives right. Uh, it, it was different in the generation that my dad was raised in. Uh, they, that's where they gave Bibles away in school. That's where teachers would pray with their students, and they would have, they would have evangelists and pastors come in and minister to children, and, and they would raise them up to, to, to uh, understand and to know the Lord and to love the Lord, whether it was a home or church or school. That's the way the culture was. Today, that would be considered a horrible, horrible thing in all culture. It's not a horrible thing, but it would be considered that way. Therefore, a lot of lives have inadvertently taken wrong turns. Therefore, ministry today, a lot of today's ministry is kind of like reacting to the pain in people's lives. It's, it's because, because people have not been able to, to follow, I guess you would call it the preventative wisdom that God gives us in the scriptures. And 
There's a lot of stuff out there on how to fix yourself, on how to turn your situation around, how to get out of the hole that you may have even dug for yourself, how to get past the healing of, of old wounds. And all of that, I'm just saying, is very, very necessary. It's necessary. In fact, I would say we need both. We, bo- we need both the preventative and the reactionary ministry. We need both the proactive ministry that tells us how to live, as well as the responsive ministry of saying, we're going to respond to the issues and situations that are going on in life. But this message today, this message today is about preventative, how to live in a certain way that's going to create a future for you. And I like it. I like it. I, 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 I'm going to challenge you to be proactive today regarding your own spiritual health. Make some right choices now. It's funny because we do live in a culture now where, where, where there's a big emphasis on diet, on eating right. If you eat right, you're going to get certain benefits, correct? If you take these supplements and do all these things, you're going to get these certain benefits. And I think that's a great thing. And, but again, we, keep in, we have to keep in mind, trust me, our physical bodies do die anyway. But what if we were able to, to live in a way and to have uh, 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 routines and rituals and things that we did in our life that would, that would work for us spiritually, that would have a benefit not just on this earth, but forever? That's pretty powerful. And really, that's what the church needs to be emphasizing. That's why I don't get up here and teach you a diet program on Sundays. <laughs> I'm not going to. I don't even know if I'm qualified for it, especially after two weeks ago when I was up there with, with my dad and mom and I was, uh, I was I just dealing with new stuff every day and trying to figure out what in the world's going on, what decisions are we going to make. And, and I found, found myself at the end of the day after everybody would, would go to bed, everybody was in bed. I you know, got my mom in bed, my brothers and sisters, everybody was in bed. I was just kind of like, okay, <sighs> And, and I'd want to get out. I would just want to get outdoors. And, and in West Texas, I'm like, everything smells. It just stinks, everything. You get outdoors, like, oh, it's, it's putrid out here. And I, I know, I used to live there, and here it is, but, but I, I'm going to get outdoors. I'm, so I would get out and find a place to walk or just move around, move my body. Just, just. And then after that, every time I would do that, I was like, man, I'm hungry. What have I eaten today? I don't even know. I've, I've eaten this and this and this and this, and, and I don't have my normal diet stuff. And, and I'm driving, driving my car, I'm like, there's, there's a Whataburger. There's a Whataburger. And so I just pull in. It's like, there's nothing wrong with a Whataburger. And so I get myself a double Whataburger with cheese and bacon and jalapenos because I'm a Texan. And my wife's Mexican, so definitely those jalapenos are going to be in there, all right? And so, so I, I get myself this big burger, and I'm enjoying it. I'm like, that was good. Didn't sleep very well that night, but it was good. It was good. Uh, the next night, I found myself doing the same thing. I'm like, well, I'm not going to Whataburger, but there's a Sonic over there. And I found a Sonic. ordered the same burger. I did it again. And then I did it. There's another place in, that I was driving by. It's like, oh, my goodness, that's my favorite, te- favorite burger joint from when I was a kid. It's called Texas Burger, and the burgers are like this big. So I go up there, and I order them. And, man, it's like $12 for this double bus. I don't care. And so every night, I found myself doing that. My, my brother said, what are you doing out, out at night? What are you doing? I was like, well, I'm going out and exercising and walking, but then I'm, I feel bad about it. But every night I'm getting myself a double cheeseburger with bacon and, and jalapenos, and I'm going to a different place every night. But I said, tonight I'm not going to do it. I'm going to resist. I'm just going to get some exercise. And you know what? I did it again. I did it again. I found myself just in the city. I got it again. I, have, I, I can't ever recall doing these late, and I, and I would sleep terrible. I would, every night I would just do this stuff over and over again. Well, here's the deal. You know, if, if you are going to have, 
have a 5,000 calorie diet a day and keep that going for a while, you're going to have some bad results. I mean, yeah. Uh, I, I, it's funny because each morning I'm like, why did I sleep so bad? Yeah, that burger that I ate the night before and the jalapenos rolling around in my stomach. You know, when we're doing the wrong thing continually, it's going to have a compounding effect. It's going to begin to cause some things to get off. And I corrected it. I corrected it. And I, I will be very honest with you. I, I, I think it really, I think part of it is something that I've never really experienced before. I think part of it was like an emotional, I was, I was just emotionally just wiped out. And, and those, those, those just double cheeseburgers made me happy for, in the moment. So I, I do understand that if you ever, if you ever experience that, but it's, it's certainly not the healthy thing to do. It's not the right thing to do continually. And and, uh, and since that time, I've, I've just only had one double cheeseburger since then. So I, I did it one more time later on, but I only had one in the last uh, week and a half. But, but it's, it's interesting that, that when we make these lifestyle choices on and on and over and over and over, they will have a negative effect on us physically when it comes to your diet. But I'll tell you, there's something that's so much more important in this life than your physical body, and that is your spiritual body, and that is your soul and your emotions and your will. And, and, and my dad focused on that part, and I'm, we're gonna focus on that today because what I'm about ready to share with you today, if you do this stuff, I'll just tell you, my dad would tell you, you're gonna have a stronger marriage, you're gonna have more success on the job, you're gonna have better relationships, you're gonna have more uh, personal peace. In fact, you will even physically be healed. God will strengthen you and more, greater than anything, you're gonna have a better reward in heaven. Who doesn't want any of that? So I'm gonna give you five lessons that dad wrote out for me. And here's the first lesson. These are so simple, but we miss them so much. Lesson number one, do to others as you would want them to do to you. Now, I, I learned this as the golden rule when I was a kid. It's so simple, yet on the other hand, it's so challenging because this life lesson, it demands that you be very intentional and deliberate with all of your interactions with people because naturally, we are just naturally selfish. We are self-centered people. That's, that's, that's the way that we are. And so we have, to, we have to move around that. We have to be very intentional and thoughtful and deliberate about how we interact with other people because when you treat others the same way you want to be treated, it creates this powerful synergy. In fact, that's love right there. You might, it might not even be a person that you like, but the Bible says you're to love them. And one of the ways that we love them is we do to them what we would want done to us. Not even what we would want them to do to us, but what we would want done to us. And a lot of times it just means dropping all the circumstances surrounding something, just, just letting go, letting go of some of those circumstances and just loving another person the same way that we would want to be loved, caring for them. One of my brothers mentioned this. He said that, my oldest brother did. He said, yeah, I, sometimes I would get quite mouthy and talk about <laughs> people and 
things that just upset me, but my dad would turn it around every time, and he would bring out the positive, and he would help us to see that's a real person, and we, we're going to love, we're going to treat that person the same way it's gonna, that, that we need to be treated. Luke chapter 6, verse 31. I want you to look at that. I want you just to listen to this, and, and I'm reading this from the Passion Translation this morning because I love the way it, it comes out. But Luke 6, 31 in the Passion Translation says this. These are the words of Jesus. He says, however you wish to be treated by others is how you should treat everyone else. Are you really showing true love by only loving those who love you back? Even those who don't know God will do that. See, what Jesus is saying is his followers, us, that's us, we have to live by a higher standard than the people who are in the world. And it's kind of cool because down a little bit further on in verse 35, uh, Jesus talks about a reward for us when we do this right. He says, th- he says this, he says, you're going to receive a rich reward and you will be known as true children of the most high God having his same nature. For your father is famous for his kindness to heal even the thankless and the cruel. Dad's first life lesson, which I hope you'll take as a life lesson for you that will prepare the way before you, that will help you in so many ways, is simply do to others as you would have them do to you. Lesson number two from Dad is this. Life lesson number two is you will truly reap what you sow. Now, I know growing up, I heard that from my dad and my mom many times. Son, you'll reap what you sow. <laughs> and and I, I had that drilled into my head. Really, it's like every decision, every action, every word that, that, that comes out of our lives, it's like a small seed. And, and so if we are releasing hatred or selfishness or deception, abuse, whatever you sow out there, you're going to end up reaping it in one way or another. You will. You will. I grew up around gardens. My dad always had a garden. He had a garden all the way up. To, he, he still has his garden. It's, all, it's winter right now, so it's just sitting there. But, but uh, when I was out there last fall, I was just looking at the beautiful garden that he had. And, and, uh, and we, I learned this as a child, planting seeds with my dad. Whatever you plant is what's going to come up. In fact, we would mark certain rows with whatever we planted so we remembered. Whatever we plant here is the same thing that's going to come up. And what's interesting is you end up reaping a lot more of what you sow than what you even put in the ground in the first place. Sometimes, if you're reaping a lot of trouble around you, it's not necessarily, it doesn't necessarily mean you're a bad person. It doesn't necessarily mean that you have even done a lot wrong, but it could mean that you have already sown seeds of trouble, and now that trouble is coming back, and you're having to reap it. You will truly reap what you're sowing. Paul mentioned this in Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. Uh, again, reading from the Passion Translation. He says this. He says, make no mistake about it. God will never be mocked. For what you plant will always be the very thing that you harvest. The harvest you reap reveals the seed that was planted. So if you plant the corrupt seeds of selfish living into this natural realm, you can expect to experience a harvest of corruption. If you plant the good seeds of the spirit life, you will reap the bountiful fruits that will grow from the everlasting life of the spirit. It's truth. It's truth. It's truth. Dad believed that 
My mom believed it. I believe it. And I saw it play over and over and over again in my parents' lives. So again, life lesson number one is this. Do to others as you would have them do to you. Life lesson number two is this. You will truly reap what you sow. Come on, let's get life lesson number three from dad. Here it is. Life lesson three is quickly forgive those who have offended you. Quickly. I like that dad put quickly in there. That's huge. Now, a lot of times we see the word offended and we, we put it into a wrong context. We like, I'm so offended that I sat down at this restaurant or that I took my bag from Whataburger and they didn't put napkins in it. I'm so offended. Like, no, you, you know what? Yeah, that's nonsense. You just got feeling certain you need to stop that. Now, this is not what we're talking. We're not talking about getting offended over some, some nonsense, all right? We're talking offended really in the scriptures means to be sinned against, to be sinned against. Not that you got your feelings hurt. Not that somebody looked at you funny. Uh, it's just that someone has literally sinned against you. And so what my dad is saying here is quickly forgive those who have sinned against you. And this is where you may have been unfairly wounded. In fact, all of us have been. Come on. Every one of us have been unfairly wounded. Someone's done something to you that's caused a bunch of pain and trouble and strife and agony and frustration and you were mistreated. In fact, you ha- everyone has been. But the life lesson here is you need to forgive and you need to forgive quickly. Why? It's because offense is poison. If you hold on to that offense, you're actually holding on up to a poison that will infect you and make you sick. Very, very sick. And not just emotionally, but I do believe it's emotionally, but it will, it's one of those things, one of the things in the scriptures that said it, it will even make you sick spiritually. It will mess you up if you're holding on to unforgiveness. Unforgiveness is dangerous, my friend. It is dangerous. It's dangerous. One of the lessons I learned from dad on forgiveness, and this was years ago. uh, It was in the mid-1970s, and my dad was pastoring in the state of Nebraska. It was the only time we pastored up in uh, up in the Midwest, but my dad was pastoring a church, and, and there was a there was someone in the church who was a person of great reputation and and well thought of in the community, but had actually done some very sneaky and conniving stuff behind the scenes, and and had had caused a lot of trouble, a lot of danger, a lot of heartache for my dad. I mean, it, it was immense. It was immense. Without going into the details. Uh, very painful, not just painful for my dad, but for our whole family because we saw what this person did and what they were capable of doing. And, 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 and dad tells this story. He, he said he was so angry one day, he got in his car and he was going to drive out there to that guy and he, was, he says, I was ready to punch him out. Now, uh, you know, my, my dad, I don't know, he was never physically violent, but that time he was ready to. He just said, I'm just, I'm just gonna go, go and punch him out. Guys, something, you know, I know nobody in this room has ever felt like punching anyone, but <laughs> he, he just felt like, he said, in, then on the way over there, he goes, well, I'm not gonna punch him, but I'm gonna tell him a thing or two and I'm gonna, and my dad got further and further out there and, and he just felt the Holy Spirit saying, let me take care of this. If you forgive him, you'll be okay, and then I'll be able to take care of him. My dad stopped the car, pondered it a little bit longer. He prayed about it, and he turned around. He, that's, actually, my dad said that was one of the best decisions he's ever made in, in his ministry work, was making the decision to stop what he was doing, listen to God, and turn around. And sure enough, God did take care of that situation his way, which is the best way. 
whenever you start trying to mess with God's way and try to, try to deal out judgment on God's end, it messes things up. Actually, what you're doing is you're removing God from the picture saying, well, my method of handling this is much better than God's method. So the, the way to deal with it is you forgive, you let it go, you release it. I know it's hard. It's not easy. I know you were violated. I know you were sinned against. But when you forgive, and the quicker you forgive, the better. When you forgive, you release God to deal with the other person. And you also, you also get rid of all the poison that is in your life. Do you know Jesus said this? And this is in Matthew chapter 16, verse 15 from the Passion Translation. He says, if you withhold forgiveness from other people, your father withholds forgiveness from you. Let that sink in for just a second. You see that scripture? That's, that's scary, guys. These are the words of Jesus. You might say, no, that's Old Testament. No, this is New Testament. This is New Testament truth right here. Well, Jesus always forgives. No, he is always willing to forgive. But if you can't forgive another person for what they've done, then you had better think twice about that because now what you're doing is you're holding up God's forgiveness right back toward you. That's just some scary stuff. Don't go there. Forgiveness is so much easier. I sat down with a person the other day and and they, they were asking me to forgive them for all of these things. And they're bringing up stuff that I didn't, honestly, I didn't even remember. I didn't have anything. I said, I forgave you a long time ago. It's, it's over with. I, I said, I don't even remember. And I finally had to stop the person. It's like, it's really, really okay. I don't, I don't have any unforgiveness there. And I thank God that I was able to be there. And be, my spirit was light. And I was, and I was happy because the person had had a powerful experience with God. And they were set free. And, and, but I, I was, the good thing is I was free already ready because I just chose to let go of it a long time ago. Dad drilled this one into my head. I'm glad he did. Now, it's not easy to forgive people, is it? No, <laughs> it's not. I didn't say any of this is easy. It's all actually pretty tough. It's pretty tough, just like it's pretty tough driving by Whataburger and saying, I'm not going to go get that 15th Whataburger, <laughs> double Whataburger, you know? you know. This concept of if we don't forgive, Christ won't forgive us, that, that's, that's actually basic to Christianity. All right, here we go. Dad's life lesson number one, do to others as you would have them do to you. Life lesson number two is you would truly reap what you sow. Life lesson number three is quickly forgive those who have offended you. And here's number four. Come on, here it is. God will provide if you honor him with your tithes and offerings. And I like the way he wrote it because he underlined the if and he underlined the him. Sometimes we think that the tithes and the offerings is so that, so that the, the church can, uh, so that the pastor can drive better cars and, and we can, y- y- so that we can all have nice fluffy things around us. And that's, that's actually not it at all. All right. I, there is that concept. I do know that. Uh, when you give your offerings, it doesn't mean that I get a cut. It, that's so listen, we get all that out of the way right now. So just relax. Just, it's okay. I, I don't get any of that. Here's the thing is when we give our tithes and offerings, it is to God it's, it's actually to God. We're, it's a way of honoring him, honoring him. See, tithing, first of all, tithe, there's, there's, there's tithing and there's offerings, but tithing, this isn't a tithing sermon. I'll talk about that later, but that's, tithing isn't really giving. What it is, it's returning because it belongs to God already. We, tithing simply says, God, I acknowledge that everything belongs to you, and so I'm going to give a portion back to you. And, uh, and it's, it's beautiful because I, I like it. God has given us two hands. And with one hand, yeah, we, we receive. 
we receive. And with the other hand, we give. My dad was a tither without question. Uh, my, my parents, my mother helped. I remember the first lesson of her sitting me, sitting me down, teaching me to tithe when I was five years old. And I had the fear of God in me that I had better, not, better tithe. And that was good. I'm actually glad my parents put that in me. They instilled that in me. And that's healthy. My parents t- talk about this one time right after they were married. And uh, this was... This was a, a time when they, they thought, well, you know, we're newly married. We need to have a little fun. And so they decided one weekend they were not going to tithe, and they were going to take the, their, their tithe, and they were going to go and do a nice little beach weekend. And, and so they, they had, had it planned out, and they went out there, and it was one disaster after another disaster after another disaster, flat tires, stranded, expenses they didn't mean to incur, and they ended up spending like twice as much money as they would originally have if all those disasters hadn't happened. And when they finally got back to town, they looked at each other and they said, this is the first and the last time this family will not tithe. And I guarantee my parents have always done it. And they, they, they were tithers. My parents were tithers without, without question. There were tough times in my family growing up. There were some times when we, we were wondering where things are gonna, where, where the, how the needs are going to get met in our family, but they were always met. I didn't grow up lacking anything. I didn't. I grew up in what a lot of people would consider poverty, but I, was, I never lacked anything. God always, 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 always provide. Always provided. Always provided. Really, giving isn't a matter of what you have. It's about who has you, you know, because your giving really reveals who has your heart. Uh, Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. Now, I'm going to read this from the Amplified Version. I like this. The Amplified is an older version from the, oh, it's probably uh, translated in the 60s or 70s, but I like this. Listen to this, Malachi 3, 10. Bring all the tithes, the tenth, into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house and test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. The house of God is the, is the, is the local church, all right? It says, if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour out for you so great a blessing that there is no more room to receive it. Then I will rebuke the devourer, which is insects and plague, for your sake, and he will not destroy the fruits of the ground. Nor will your vine in the field drop its grapes before harvest, says the Lord of hosts. And all nations, that means all people groups, everybody will look at you and say, you are happy and blessed, for you shall have for you shall be a land of delight, says the Lord of hope. And so I believe in this. And, and I believe that we should be giving in regular, disciplined, generous ways, not just the tithe, but beyond the tithe. And it's, I, I'm just telling you guys, it's simply good sense. It works with the promises of God. Okay, dad's life lesson number one. Do you remember what it was? Do unto others as you would have them do to you. Next one is you truly reap what you So quickly forgive those who have offended you. And the next one, life lesson number four, God will provide if you honor him with tithes and offerings. And here's dad's fifth life lesson, all right? This is to honor dad. It says, says, faith prayers can can remove any mountain. 
And again, I emphasize the any. You can't see the handwriting right now, but he had that underlined. And so I put it in all caps there for you. See, dad was a man of faith. Dad prayed for miracles. Dad prayed not just a simple little baby prayer. My dad was a man who prayed with faith. And he would say this, we're going to pray with faith and we're going to watch God move. And God did. God moved over and over and over again. Pray with faith and we'll watch God move. I saw it countless times growing up. My dad's told so many stories of miracles in church. God works miracles. God works miracles when we pray with faith. Listen to the words of Jesus. Mark chapter 11, verse 23. He said, listen to the truth I speak to you. If someone says to this mountain with great faith and having no doubt, mountain, be lifted up and thrown into the midst of the sea and believes what he says, it will be done. This is the reason I urge you to boldly believe whatever you ask for in prayer. Be convinced that you have received it, past tense, and it will be yours. And whenever you stand praying, oh, this is good, if you find that you carry something in your heart against another person, that's kind of a reminder of something dad already said, release him and forgive him so that your father in heaven will also release you and forgive you of your faults. But if you will not release forgiveness, don't expect your father in heaven to release you of your misdeeds. It preaches itself. Do to others as you would have them do to you. You will truly reap what you sow. Quickly forgive those who have offended you. And God will provide if you honor him in your tithes and offerings. And faith prayers can remove any mountain. I'm asking you to hone in on one of those. Which one? Which one? Which one is God speaking to you right now? Maybe it's all five, but I want you just to pick one of those life lessons. Which one of those life lessons are you going to put into your life? Because that is just like the simple decision that you're going to make when you walk out of this place today or tonight or tomorrow. What kind of a meal am I going to eat? Am I going to just stack up on triple burgers with bacon and jalapenos for the rest of my life? Or am I going to be wise with what I'm doing? You see? That's what this is. But it doesn't just work in the physical. It's the soul and the spirit. And it also will cause you to reap rewards in eternity. There's a better marriage ahead for many of you. It's a better work situation ahead of you. For some of you, there's a better situation with your company that's ahead of you. It's a better situation with your relationships in general. If you'll just simply take the principle or the principles that God has spoken to you right here and just make a decision, this is how I'm going to live it out. Those of you who have served God for quite a while, how many of you say this stuff is true? This stuff works. This stuff works. It does. It does. It does. I'm here to say this stuff works. This stuff works. Do I, ever, do I always do all this stuff 100% perfectly all the time? No, but you know what? Every once in a while I do get a Whataburger <laughs> triple. But the thing is, I stick with this, and it works, and it pays off pays off. And I want you to be healthy. I want your homes to be healthy. I want your family to be healthy. I I want your work situation or even your company to be healthy. I want your marriage to be healthy. 
This stuff will work miracles. How did my dad stay married for 65 and a half years? It's my friends practicing this stuff. I asked my dad a few years back how he did this. Because what a lot of people don't know is that my dad met my mom and actually before he even talked to her, he looked at her through the window of a Dairy Queen and he told his brother, I'm going to marry that girl. He went in there, talked to her, and six weeks later, they were literally getting married. Now, that's like, wow, (laughs) right, wow, wow. Would you let your kids do that? No. (laughs) No. Would you let your kids do that? No, didn't think so. (laughs) This is not good advice, but dad did it. He stayed married for 65 and a half years. I'm telling you, my parents had some rocky times, but they abided by principles like this. We're going to keep loving each other. We're going to keep believing the best about each other. We're going to hang in there. We're going to stick with each other. When you stick with each other through thick and thin, then you're able to not only have reward in heaven, but you're passing on a heritage and a legacy that is so beautiful. Guys, there's so much ahead for every one of you. I just encourage you to engage the wisdom of God. Well, everyone in this room, please just bow your head for just a moment. We're going to pray. If you're watching online, I want you to humble yourself before God because first and foremost... I just want to say this, you can take these principles, life principles that I shared with you today, and you can apply them to your life, and you can live a good life. You really can. You can do all these things and live a good life. But if Jesus Christ is not the Lord of your life, you will only be able to lead a good life. All of the results will be temporal. There still is no eternity. See, because the most important thing you can do is to ask Jesus Christ into your life so that he will be your Lord and Savior. If sin has burdened your life down, and you've not experienced the life-changing power of the blood of Jesus, then now is the time to make things right with Jesus and give your life to him. If that's you, I'm going to ask you to pray these words with me. Congregation here and even, even in the e-community, I'm asking everyone just to pray these words out loud. First of all, as a reaffirmation of your faith, I think it's good to pray this. But secondly, especially in here, to encourage those who may be praying this and making the decision to give their lives to Christ. Pray these words with me. Dear Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Wash me in your precious blood. I give my life to you. I thank you, Jesus, that I am now turning from death to life and I receive your Holy Spirit to dwell in me. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I want to pray for everyone else regarding these principles. Come on, I want us to pray right now. Everyone in this room, God, I pray that we will be a people, that we will be strong and we will not falter, God. We will take these life principles, which are not, it's not just some good principles of, uh, that, that somebody writes a book about. No, this is the word of God. God, first of all, I pray that you will give us the courage to do to others as we want to be, as we want it happening to us. God, help us to see things through 
through your eyes. Help us to love the way you love, whether people are loving us back or not. We're not gonna let that be, our, be our, the way we measure it. We are going to love and we're gonna treat others well. God, I also pray that you will help us to remember that every seed that we sow, every word, every attitude, every action, every step we take, the deeds we do, that we're sowing seed. Help us to see that and know that whatever seed we're sowing, we're gonna reap. So God, give us wisdom in that. God, give us sharp minds. Give us clean hands, Lord. Help us to help our feet to never be quick to rush into evil, but to do these things correctly, God, so that we will reap a good harvest, not a corrupt harvest. And God, I also pray for for forgiveness. Lord, I pray that a spirit of forgiveness will be upon us, that we will not be people that hold and harbor anger or hatred or bitterness or even criticism against others. God, God, just give us freedom. Help us to be free. We just choose right now to be free. And God, even as as we're in this atmosphere right now, God, we just choose to release people. Come on, just release people. Release people that you've had bound, where you have unforgiveness bound up in your heart. Release them. Release that forgiveness. Let God deal with them. But you know what? You don't want God having to deal with you because you held on to that unforgiveness. So God, we release we release forgiveness in this room right now. And God, I pray that you will also help us to recognize the importance of simply giving our tithes and our offerings. God, that we will always put you first, that we're not gonna hoard and try to keep to ourselves. But God, whatever way you bless us, however you bless us financially, God, we're going to give you that 10th back. And God, we're gonna go above and beyond it as well. We're gonna be people who listen to the spirit of God. We're gonna say, yes, I'll give. Yes, I'll serve. And God, you will help us, God, to follow this out day in and day out. We simply make the choice to do so. And God, I pray that we will be people who will be quick to pray. God, we will be quick to pray, but not just baby prayers, not just bless this meal kind of prayers, but God, we will pray with faith and believe for miracles that you're going to do exceedingly, abundantly, more than we can ask, more than we can imagine, according to the power of God that's in us, and we're going to pray with faith, and the sick are going to be healed. Mountains are going to be moved. Financial situations are going to be turned around. There's going to be miracle after miracle as a result of faith prayers, and I thank you, God, Thank you, God, that you give us this and we choose to act on what we hear. We're not gonna let the word of God go in one ear and out the other. We're gonna act on what we hear today. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen. There's a better life ahead of you based upon what you do with what I just shared with you today. It's gonna either be for good or for bad, but I just want you to have a good life ahead of you. Not just in eternity, not just here, but in eternity as well. And it's based upon what you do right now. I love you, church. God bless you. I want to speak blessing over you. God bless you and keep you. God smile on you and gift you. God look you full in the face and make you prosper. I'd like for you to... Have you discovered your street of influence? Whether it be family, government, business, arts and entertainment, faith, health and vitality, or education... Head over to culturalstreets.com and discover your street today.